Right, a little wake-up music for you this morning. <laughs> uh, I, I hope you enjoyed last week. We enjoyed just laying out uh, the thought of what it would look like to be a people that are just present. Present with God, listening to him, letting him initiate our actions to the people around us, how that might play out in our lives if a whole group of us did that in community together. Um, yesterday we had our men's breakfast. I came home and, and pretty much did nothing the rest of the day. It worked out really good. Was, Sabbath works better for me sometimes on Saturday um, than on Sundays. And so Karen went to Walmart, and she came back from Walmart and talked about a person that she had met in an aisle, which, you know, for Karen, that could be a person she'd met in a bathroom, a person she'd met in the parking lot. It could be anywhere, right? But just a chance to meet a person, um, to hear their heart, to pray for them. And so Karen's talking about, you know, imagine if I would have needed something in a different aisle, or if I would have been five minutes ahead or five minutes later, how it just, you know, it was the, the right time, the right moment, the right person, right? And for me, I'm listening to that, and I'm thinking about follow Jesus in the present. I'm thinking, and not just the right moment and the right person, but someone who had the right awareness of what God was up to. And she's so good at that. And, and it's something that if we're going to grow in this following Jesus piece, that we all have kind of up our game a little bit in terms of recognizing when it is that God is putting us in a moment where we can be his hands or his feet, or in that case, his mouth to simply connect people in that way. When we were on our journey through Acts chapter 2, or through the book of Acts last month, um, just as we uh, were unfolding the birth of the church there in Acts chapter 2, we skipped over a picture of the church in its infancy. And I think perhaps the, the purest picture that we have of the church in the New Testament there in Acts chapter 2. And I told you that we would come back to that when we did this series called The Power of We that we're starting today. So I want you to turn to the book of Acts chapter 2 with me and begin by looking at how these believers lived their lives, how they were connected with one another, (laughs) how they grew spiritually how they worship together, and how they serve both those inside and outside the church, and how they impacted their world, right? And while we know that each of these values that we're going to talk about in these series, each of them are foundational to our lives as followers of Jesus, in many cases, their greatest impact comes when we join our lives with one another. Acts chapter 2, look down at verse 42 with me. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, we think about the different pieces we're going to look at in this series and speaking today specifically about cultivating a common life. I see things in there like they fellowshiped. 
Like they shared everything. They sold their possessions to meet needs. They met together every day. They ate together in their homes. And I think what a, what, what a contrast to a world that has become digital. Okay? And often impersonal or at least relationally distant. A world where we enter our homes through our garage doors and we leave through our garage doors when they shut behind us. A world, world where you know, we're looking at how do we decorate our front porches because we don't use them anymore for relationships. A world where you hear a knock on the door or a ring of the doorbell and just wonder which particular unwanted guest <laughs> might be stopping by today because people don't do that anymore. We communicate with text messages and emails and not even a phone call, much less a face-to-face visit with people. A world where family gatherings that happen often happen over FaceTime, sometimes because of proximity, oftentimes just because of time. A world where even when we exercise right next to someone, we both have our earbuds in so as not to bother anyone or communicate that we don't want anyone to bother us. It's a world that often seems to live under the mantra, I leave you alone, you leave me alone. Okay? And listen, I'm not negative on any of those devices. I think they're all tools that are helpful and productive at times in life. Um, I also think each of them can be used to escape real life, relationships. And that's a major problem in our society today. And as a result, it's also a potential barrier to us as Christians living the life that God has designed us to live. And so what I want to understand with us today as we look at cultivating a common life is that the evil one works through isolation. He works through isolation. Now, I understand the specific context of the verse I'm going to read in Genesis chapter 2, but I think there's also a broader context about how we are made. When God says, it is not good for man to be alone, I will make a helper suitable for him there in Genesis chapter 2, 18. God made us to be in relationship with other people. Okay? Now, many people, most of us can attest to how isolation um, has led either us or someone we know to embrace an unhealthy focus on themselves okay? or to come to some pretty poor decisions at times, perhaps even to develop some destructive patterns in their life. Solomon put it like this in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 1. He said, The one who lives alone is self-indulgent, showing contempt for all who have sound judgment. Okay? Now, don't miss the point of this verse. He's not, he's not talking about single people. Solomon's talking about isolated people. Okay? Truth is, you can be married and be isolated. Some of you know that. Okay? And you can be single and in much better community than a married person. The point is that isolation affects one's judgment. That's what Solomon is saying. Okay? And while we often look at the verses I'm going to read next to describe the values of community, and there are many, inherent in those verses is also a picture of the downside of isolation. Listen to Ecclesiastes 4, verses 9 through 11, where he says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, 
one can help the other up. But pity the one who falls and has no one to help them up. And if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Okay. Simply put, I think it's easiest for us to understand. Listen, the evil one can still steal, kill, and destroy. That is what he does. He can do those things when people choose a life of isolation. It's never God's plan for us to isolate ourselves from other believers. Okay? And now while it might be healthy at times for us to uh, create distance between ourselves and other people that are toxic to our Christian life, how are we going to impact our world if we don't connect with people? If we don't live in relationship with people, the church in Acts chapter 2, I mean, they were so impactful, partly because they engaged one another, but also because they engaged those outside the church. Pastor went to visit a man who'd been absent from church for some time, and, and when he arrived, he found the man sitting in his living room by his fireplace uh, quietly, and, and he never looked up, right? They just sat down together, and so the minister just sat down next to him, and, and there were no, no words spoken, but the man was expecting that the pastor was going to chide him <laughs> for not being in services. They needed to get some things right, but instead... They just sat there for a while, and then eventually the minister just took the tongs that were used for the fireplace, pulled out one of the hot coals, and sat it there on the hearth by itself, alone. And it started to cool down. And eventually its glow was gone, and it just turned to black. And the man looked into the face of his pastor, who hadn't said a word, and said, I'll be there on Sunday. (laughs) He got the message, right? Now listen, we have put um, a lot of money in the last two years into our ability to stream our services. And and I have enjoyed that. Last month when I was sick, uh, you didn't want me here. But I wanted to be here, so instead I was here virtually. (laughs) There are times when we are gone on vacation and we pull up the church's service through the stream. And it's a good thing that way, but it was always intended to be a tool. Never intended to be a permanent substitute for community. Because when we are apart from the body, apart from other Christians, apart from our family, our church family, well, sometimes we settle for no community. And when we do that and remove ourselves, eventually we lose our glow and become less than what God intended. Now, that said, I understand we all have a history of relationships. In fact, sometimes the hurt of our past or the negative experience of our past is what causes us to steer clear of meaningful relationships because, you know, I got close to somebody one time and it was so painful. And we think the, the, like that choice will protect us. My observation over time is that separation or that withdrawal actually makes us more vulnerable in the end to things like sin and depression and anger and selfishness and the like. So let's learn from our history instead of being held hostage by it. Let's learn from things that we should learn. Let's make better, healthier relational choices, if you would, because of what we've experienced. 
But let's not grow cold in our faith and let's not lose our glow because we separate ourselves from God's people and isolate ourselves. Instead, let's understand that we were created for relationships. It's a critical part of how God wired us. The Greek word for one another, this translated one another, found a hundred times in the New Testament. Fifty-nine of those times is connected with a command about how we are to relate to one another. And while this isn't where I want to spend the bulk of our time this morning, because we talk about this periodically, I want us to understand foundationally, God did did not make us to be alone. He made us to be part of the body of Christ in a special way. Paul writes in Romans chapter 12, for just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Then in 1 Corinthians 12, he writes similarly, the body has many different parts, not just one part. As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. And listen, we, we may give access. We may choose who we give access to our hearts. And I think that's a good thing <laughs> that we do sometimes. Okay? Like, I don't think we have complete control <laughs> of who has access to our lives. If we did, they would probably look a lot differently. Like, you may have noticed that God has placed some people in your life that you don't, you don't approve of. <laughs> and I would guess that there's probably even a few that you don't even really even appreciate in that way. But God placed them there. And I think God has purpose in it. They're not like you. And that's the point. <laughs> the body has many parts. And they're all different. And often that is to our benefit. Listen, we are all in need of grace ourselves, right? And the Bible talks us to, uh, teaches us to give grace to others as well. We're, we're all work, works in progress, right? I am. I know most of you. <laughs> you are too. If you took an inventory, I would guess, of, of maybe to this point in your life, who the most challenging people have been in your life, my guess you would also find is that a number of them have helped you grow into a better version of who God created you to be. Trust him. Trust his plan to work in you and to work through you, even through the people that you just maybe don't appreciate so much. So I would say with regard to relationship, let's just make wise choices, right? So let's make smart investments in the right relationships, the ones that God is laying out before us, the ones we can trust to open our heart to. Let's make um, healthy distances in the dangerous ones. (laughs) It's still wise to protect ourselves from people that are dangerous, even if we can't move them all out. That's just usually not how it works. And let's seek God for how to navigate the challenging ones. Because that's usually where God is stretching us. That's usually where he's growing us in certain ways. Okay? So if we understand that, that isolation is to be avoided and that relationships are to be engaged in, so how do we commit to growing those relationships? That's really the heart of what we're looking at this morning, knowing that community needs to be cultivated. Meaningful relationships typically do not just 
happen. Okay? These believers that we read about in Acts chapter 2, they were all in. Okay? But they had to be all in. Many of them had lost their families. And they lost their friends. And they lost their jobs. Or they lost their social standing when they chose Jesus. At times, all they had was, were one another. So they invested in those relationships with one another. And really, that is a big part of how God used them to turn their world upside down. They fellowshiped, or they shared their lives, in other words, intimately with each other. They ate together often. They did a lot of things together that we're going to unfold during this series. Specifically, one thing that we see in Acts chapter 2 is that they shared with one another their possessions. Okay? They were generous to God by being generous to one another and giving what they had to meet someone else's need. Now, that's laid out for us in Acts chapter 2. We have another picture of that just two chapters back in Acts chapter 4. Look with me at verse 32 to 35. This description, it says, All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it in at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. Okay. Now, understand this wasn't like forced sharing, as in communism, okay? nor was it a, a disposal of all private property in the church. If you own something, you have to sell it and give it to the church so that it can be dispersed. What's important to see um, like, is that their relationship, they were, they were fueled by faith to serve one another to sacrifice for one another, to give to each other their faith. It touched their wallets and their purses, or in our days, their phones and their computers, <laughs> all the different ways that money flows through, it flowed through them. And it made a huge difference in the lives of those among them, and it made a huge statement to the lives of those in the community. Now, their sacrifices were prominent. We had two different passages in Acts, but there was so much more to their lives together. The New Testament is just packed full of encouragements and examples and instructions about how to live in community with one another. I've chosen just a couple for us to look at this morning briefly. The first is from Philippians chapter 2. This is Paul writing, and he writes in verses 3 and 4, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. So a simple question, do you know people well enough to know their needs? Maybe just as important, do people know you well enough to know your needs? How could I look out for their interests, as Paul says in Philippians 2, if I don't know what their interests are? I continue to witness in people just this longing for a relationally safe place where life can be lived without fear, where true community can be found. Relationships need real connection to grow 
and thrive. And it just requires an investment, a cultivating of those relationships. Okay? And the needs are so far-reaching. Acts chapter 2 and 4 highlighted the way they took care of people's basic financial needs. But there are people here today whose needs are way beyond financial. There are people here among us who are carrying heavy burdens. There are health struggles. There are broken marriages. There are wayward children. They're aging parents. There's discouragement. There's depression. There's defeat. There's insecurity and, and instability and untold struggles that need to find a way to be shared. And what we need one another is we need others, one another to stand with us and to stand for us. And they need the same from us. That's what Jesus called us to. Paul put it this way in Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, when he said, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. We are the body of Christ. We are God's gifts to one another. The power of we is seen in our lives, and it's seen in our church whenever we opt for and not against one another. It's profound individually, but it's powerful when it happens across a community of people who are looking out for the interests of one another. Now, we told you when we were going to unfold this series that we're also going to give you some, some ideas and how to engage in various values that we address. And so when you came in, you got a card that has orange and black on it. Okay. It just says embracing the we of the kingdom. And there are some things on a church level that you might do, many of you are already doing, but might be a next step for some of you. For example, next time we have a starting point class, you say, I want to move toward being a, a committed part of this church, and we'd love to see you do that. For some of you, it might be joining a small group, which is a place to know others and be known by others. Some of you have been involved in groups before, but you're more isolated now. And a step back in that direction or a new step in that direction might be helpful for you. Some of you would really grow if you would start to to learn more about the Bible and how to apply it to your life and taking that step into a growth class that happened either during this hour or during the 9 o'clock time frame. Uh, would be a great step for you. For some of you, just being consistent in Sunday worship, you know, to, to light the coal once every, every month or once every two months or a couple times here and there, it can be really hard to glow, to light up for Jesus in that way. And so the community that comes from engaging people versus starving relationally or maybe even starving spiritually and would be helpful for some who've been gone. COVID took us away from people for so long. Is it time to come back? Time to re-engage in some ways. For parents, you know, the, the opportunity to involve your students or your children in our Wednesday Night Live or in our Kids Cycle, just such a, um, just such a very rich um, availability of relationship at that midweek on our Wednesday night programs that we'd love you to consider getting involved in. And those are church-related things. And in the bottom half, we've said maybe for you, community might be enhanced if you might intentionally engage uh, a new relationship. 
Right? So maybe inviting someone um, to lunch that you don't know very well or that's new. It's a step maybe out of your comfort zone, but maybe into better community. Um, if you really want to get bold, invite them to come like use your front door and knock or ring your doorbell. <laughs> what an idea. Invite people into your home. Uh, we put on the back of the chairs just another note card. At the top of it just simply says words of encouragement. Okay? And we put on that a, a verse from Proverbs that says, A person's words can be life-giving water. Words of true wisdom are as refreshing as a bubbling brook. Proverbs 18, verse 4. We put them there for you to be able to write words of encouragement to someone else. I'd encourage you today, pick one of those up. Write a note. Maybe it's to someone you know. Maybe even better, it's to someone you don't know so well. I guarantee you get one of these and you're like, well, who's that person? And you work to figure that out. Someone you appreciate them. You appreciate their life. You appreciate what they do for the kingdom. You appreciate how they raise their kids or the relationship they have with their spouse, how they take care of their parents. Just things that we observe in life together that we don't always communicate with one another. So I I would love for you to take one of these, fill it out before you leave, drop it in one of the offering boxes. We'll mail it for you. Just make sure you write their name on the front so we know who it is we're mailing it to. We're not going to publish them. We're not going to read them. We're just going to send them on. But I would love for you to just make use of this particular tool in a way that connects you with other people, maybe in a way that you just might not have done otherwise. Think about a visitor we had this past year who felt like God called them to this church. Like it was just a good fit. The way we do things, the values that we have just fit with their values, but they were new. Okay? And this person isn't um, extroverted at all. I would consider them much more introverted, but they knew purposefully that to be part of a community, you have to engage. And so at one point they asked Karen and I if we would um, just have, have lunch with them. And we did, and we enjoyed it. In fact, they stopped by another time just to offer some words of encouragement during a difficult time that we were having. You know? And I've watched this person get to know people and grow. And so this introverted person now has, has community because they engaged in it and they worked for it, and it's a blessing in their life because they're cultivating it. The writer of Hebrews says in chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Have you figured it out yet? The joy of life comes from the way in which we beautifully live together. In the pain of life, comes when we fail to do that well. So let's do it well. And let's commit to that part of our lives, choosing to live beautifully, if you would. So a simple question for you as we kind of come down to an end this morning. Who is in your community? Who are your people, in other words? Maybe this brings you comfort as you think about the people around you. In fact, maybe it's one of those who could use some words of encouragement, someone that you actually know really well that you could also use this for just to say, you're such a meaningful part of my life and my life is better because you're in it. Okay? Or perhaps it just um, 
uncovers a void that needs to be filled as you pursue community. There's power in we, but only if we engage others in this journey of following Jesus. So the moment here, um, I'm going to pray and we're going to worship. We'll have time to think about these things or maybe write those notes or stick around afterwards and write those. If you need to talk with someone, if you need to pray with someone, if you need to follow Jesus, I would love to talk with you about that. If you missed the opportunity to just sign your name to commit to that follow journey on on one of those flip-flops, then of course you can get those at the info desk. But let's think about how we're doing life and who we're doing life with and what God's plan and purpose is for us in this area. Let's pray together. Father, our lives are richer because we are in relationship with you for sure. And your word tells us they'll be even richer if we're in relationship with your people. So give us courage to open hearts again. Give us wisdom about how to create time and schedules. And Lord, give us a heart to follow you even in this way to be present even in this moment as you're speaking to us about who you would have us join our lives together with. And Lord, we'll wait for your blessings that come from living your way. In Jesus' name, amen.